Hi, this is Derwin James, and you listen to the Chargers Podcast Network. Hey, everybody, Chris Avery with you on a Week 15 edition of Chargers Weekly here on the Chargers Podcast Network. Coming up, we'll get this week's opposing view from Minnesota, courtesy of Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune. Also a bit later, our Beat Writers Roundtable, Jeff Miller of the LA Times, Gilbert Manzano of Southern California News Group, and Daniel Popper of The Athletic. But first, a locker room roundup ahead of Sunday's game against the Vikings. All right, here with defensive tackle Justin Jones. Justin, let's just go back to Jacksonville, 45-10 probably the best defensive performance in terms of just slowing down that offense. Uh, Yeah, we was just having fun out there, to be honest. In my opinion, I think everybody was just clicking on all cylinders and everybody just having a good time out there. Like, when I go around asking my teammates, you know, did you get tired? They was like, no, I I wasn't tired out there. But usually when you're having fun, you don't think about stuff like that. So when when you're losing, obviously you'll you'll feel fatigued. But when you're winning, you don't get tired. I wish wish you'd play two more quarters, you know what I'm saying? So... That, that's how I felt out there. It's a safe bet. I think you were having the most fun. I saw you almost in the crowd in the fourth quarter talking to some fans. Oh, yeah, yeah. My, uh, my pops was in the stands, but he was all the way up. So when uh, he was blowing team out already, and, you know, we had like 35 seconds or a minute left on the clock. That's how I might as well say what's up to my pops, you know what I'm saying, while he's in the stands, so why not? But it looked, it looked like I was talking to the whole crowd, but I was looking at my people, talking to my people. It was a cool moment. Uh, moved to the Vikings. They're 9-4. What stands out on this offense? Very balanced attack. Very balanced attack. They want to attack our edges for the most part, you know, run, uh, stretch runs, perimeter runs. They want to get down and cook the ball. That's, that's obvious. He's a good running back. Offensive lines were pretty good, too, so we're going to have a challenge this weekend. Just got to, you know what I'm saying, got to stick to the game plan and get the work done. Kirk Cousins, 24 touchdowns, four interceptions. How do you get a guy like that off schedule? He's having a pretty good year. Uh, Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's a simple answer. Simple answer. We got we got we got some weapons on defense. We have a we have a really really good D line. We got really good depth. We got a really really good back end, and you know having Derwin back in our in our secondary is is big. AP back big. You know what I'm saying? So the biggest difference having those guys back there is what? Uh, I, I feel like I feel like we just add a different dynamic to the to to our secondary with, with having them guys back. Not not just you know knowledge and experience, just just personality. So I feel I feel like that's 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 big too. So. And finally, my cause, my cleats. What are you representing on Sunday, Justin? Oh, I'm representing uh, TD's cause. I'm representing his foundation and everything. So my plan was, you know, start my own foundation come next year for my cause, my cleats. So this year, I just represent TD's foundation. You know, he's had had a pretty good cause, and they designed some pretty cool cleats. You know, with the ape on front, so I, I like it a lot. So I saw them. They look sharp. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. They look pretty good. They stick out too. Yeah. NC State red. So there you go, man. Appreciate your time. Appreciate you. I hear Brandon Schofield. Brandon, to see what Austin and Melvin did last week and just how the running game has been going the last month or so, it's got to make you guys feel good up front. Yeah, definitely, especially last game. Like you said, Eckler had a great game. Melvin broke off some big runs too. It's just I think a lot of it is obviously I think we had a good game plan for that game and we executed very well. The thing with Melvin and Austin, over the like the last three weeks, it seems like those guys have been hitting some big gains, whether it's in the run game or the pass game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, it's nice to have those two different backs. You know, I mean, Melvin's, you don't want to say like a more downhill kind of guy where Eckler's got that speed to get on the edge and everything. So I think they complement each other very well. You got a team coming in here in the Minnesota Vikings, nine of four, um, an opportunity to to maybe spoil their season a little bit. Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, we, it's, I mean, it stinks. We're out of the playoffs right now, so you got to look whatever you can look at. So, I mean, that's one thing to look at right now. And obviously, our goal is every week to go one and zero right now and just try to finish the season as strong as we could. So, if we could get a win this week, I mean, put a better taste in our mouth for sure. What jumps out to you about this defense? 
I mean, they got players all, all, all at every single level. You know, D line, linebackers, safeties got players everywhere. So, I mean, we just got to be ready for all all kinds of games and just be ready for everything. Finally, the, the my calls, my cleats. You got some cleats you're wearing on Sunday? Yeah, yeah, I do. I got uh, me and my wife started a foundation this past year called the Schofield Family Foundation. So I'm wearing those cleats this week. That's awesome. Tell me about the Schofield Family yeah, Foundation. So it's uh we kind of focus on five areas, help five different. Uh, Areas and that have been very impactful for our life. So, like uh, mil- military, her brothers in the army, uh, first responders is one. We do youth sports, kind of help out local areas, mostly in Chicago right now. But we're trying to expand. We give out a scholarship at a local high school, and then families in need. We donated to Ronald McDonald House and got a room named after our foundation. So it's been a lot of cool things so far. That's awesome. All right, so this is radio or podcast. So, so give me the the visual if people are listening to this right now. Oh, my cleats. Yes. Yeah. So they. Uh, here we go, right in front of us. Yeah, yeah, yellow. They got this little logo. Our logo is a little heart with two hockey sticks that make a heart, and then a football underneath because my wife plays hockey. And then we kind of have the five areas that we have, so like books for the education. We got some footballs and stuff for youth sports, and then we got a military helmet for the military, a cross, like a paramedic cross for the first responders, and then a cancer ribbons for the families in need. So That's awesome, Yeah, a little man. bit of everything. Well, hey, congrats on that, and uh, we'll look for those fire cleats on yeah, Sunday. Yeah, thank you. Take care. I right, here with Adrian Phillips, AP. Two games in, last Sunday looked pretty good. Yeah, it felt it felt real good. Uh, we played very well defensively, limited their explosive plays. You know, Minshew was back there running around. That's usually when a lot of the time they get their big plays, and we limited that, and that felt great. Did it feel good to come in after the first game, knocking off any rust that you may have had? Yeah, definitely. With the first game back, I actually, I actually had a good game. You know, you always find stuff that you want to get better at, and I think I did that. This game is starting to slow down, even a little more for me, just because uh, you know you've been away from her for so long, yeah. and you go back into them bullets and they flying fast. You know, you kind of gotta get back to your technique and your fundamentals. And having a second game under my belt, it, it made it that much easier. It's amazing because you went through one that looked seamless and now you look at Minnesota coming here the 9-4. What stands out about their offense? They got an efficient quarterback right now and a good running game. Yeah, they run the ball very well. I mean, Dalvin Cook, he's been going crazy this year and then you, even with uh, Diggs and Thielen on the outside, those guys are they're big play seekers. I, I want to say like Diggs has like 50-some catches, almost like 900 yards. That means every catch He's either getting a whole bunch of yak or he's taking the top off. So it's Mike Williams territory. Right, definitely. <laughs> I think he's number two in like yards for catch and Mike is like number one or something. But uh the fact that we get that test this week, like this is what you want when you play in the NFL, you know. You go against competitors like this, guys that are uh gonna be out there seeking a big play, looking for the big play, like how can you shut that down? How can you limit those so that'll be a great challenge for us this week. What is the biggest challenge when you have an offense that's as balanced as Minnesota's? Really you have to make them one dimensional. Uh, you know you can't give them you can't give them the run in the pass. You know you take away you take away one of it and then live with the other and if you're really good you just shut down both of them so that's what we look to do. We, we want to shut down both the run and the pass, but they get paid as well. They're going to hit some big runs, and we limit the the explosive passes. We'll be all right, but you really want to make a, a offense that's balanced like that it's very one-dimensional. Well, it's great seeing number 31 back out on the field, AP. Appreciate your time. Thank you. All right, here with Hunter Henry. 
Hunter, I know you've talked about this probably at nauseum, but can, can we walk through that 30-yard touchdown and the play design that I think Thomas Davis is taking credit for, huh? Yeah, uh, big shouts to Thomas for helping us out. We Future OC. Yeah, maybe. Uh, shoot, just help. You know, he's he's been around for so long. Um, you know, he just he picked up on the a tendency last week. Uh, kind of we were able to change the formation, change the play to – kind of help it work and I mean it worked out perfectly the offense the way that it was rolling so balanced um what do you think was different last Sunday as opposed to maybe some other games uh, I think we came out fast. I think that was a we, we set the tone early. I think that was the biggest thing too, and we, we that was a big emphasis last year was starting fast, and it started in practice all week. So uh, you know we got to have another week um, starting fast and j- jumping on them because we knew if we can jump on them and kind of get get rolling, you know, once we're kind of you know when we're, we're in a rhythm, we're really uh, really good. And uh, Shane did a great job calling plays and um, went out there and executed. Got a pretty good team coming here Sunday in the Vikings nine of four. What do you see from that defense at first glance? Uh, I mean, they've been together for a while. Um, you know, obviously they're really tough. They're going to fight. Um, very athletic, uh, very long, big. I mean, you know, they kind of are everything that you look for in a defense. So uh, it's a it's a tall task. Uh, you know, they're good at all three levels. Um, you know, we're going to have to be on, on our game and ready to go. Uh, so, you know, it's a – you know, getting a big win last week is going to help us, and we're excited. Uh, but, you know, just attack each week one at a time. We're excited for this opportunity. I know you study and admire tight ends around the league, past and present. Kyle Rudolph is a guy who's been doing it for a long time. But what is it about Kyle's game that, that maybe you appreciate? Yeah, you know, obviously, like you said, he's, he's been doing it a while. And uh, anytime you can do it, um, you know, continue to stay around and continue to be um, – you know, at, at you know at the top of the game for a while. You know, it mean it definitely is uh, means something. Um, and you know, he's big, he's strong. Um, I feel like he's improved a lot in the run game. And you know, he, he's crisp in his routes. He has great hands. Uh, makes the plays when plays present themselves. So um, you know, I've definitely watched him and uh, admired him from afar. Finally, with the music very loud, uh, Mike calls my cleats. Tell me what you're rocking on Sunday, man. Uh, I'm rocking IJM, International Justice Mission. Uh, helps fight against human trafficking and slavery all across the world. Um, so, you know, if you're listening to this, uh, you can go to my pleasure page and, uh, you know, give money and go to IJM, check it out for more information. Uh, it's a really good cause. Amazing cause. Hunter, thanks so much. Yeah, man. Thank you. All right, let's get to these questions, y'all boys. Yo, Jack boys, how do you get the girls? What it takes to get the girls? <laughs> no fake energy. No oh fake. God. I hate fake energy. Chargers fans, be sure to check out Dear Jack Boys presented by Pepsi and take all football celebrations to the next level. Whether it's a Hail Mary touchdown or a defensive stop on the goal line, when it's time to celebrate, it's time to crack open a Pepsi. Pepsi, a proud sponsor of the Los Angeles Chargers, reminds you to always be celebrating. All right, guys, to get this week's Opposing View presented by Mercury Insurance, we bring in Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune, does a great job covering the Vikings in Minnesota. Ben, how are you, sir? Excited to have you come to L.A. Thanks, Chris. I'm uh, excited to be in a place that's probably six degrees warmer than it is here right now. <laughs> a little bit warmer here, right, on the West Coast. Ben, yeah, a little bit. What are the Vikings saying about coming West to face the Chargers? Well, it's been a challenge they've had a hard time with, frankly. It, it's They had they were out in Seattle a couple of weeks ago and lost on, uh, on Monday night, and I, I think they're probably quite grateful that the NFL moved this game out of Sunday night. It, it, I've spent a lot of time looking at the, the statistics for teams that have to travel from either the Central or Eastern time zones out to the West Coast, and, and they have not 
been very good at night. It, it's been a tough assignment with trying to get your body clock set to play an opponent that has, is full of players that are used to that already. So that has been difficult for them. And, and even when they've played the few times they've had day games on the West Coast, they've struggled. So that part of it is something they've tried to figure out. Do we go two days before? Do we go a day before? They're flying out Saturday and kind of going from there. But uh, it is a difficult challenge and and one that uh, I think they know adds a little bit of an extra layer to the the challenge against the Chargers this weekend. These next three games, pivotal for the Vikings. They're 9-4. and You look at the Chargers. They were eliminated Sunday, but were very impressive against the Jacksonville team that is very different from what Minnesota is facing. Uh, What are the players and coaches saying about this version of the Chargers a little bit healthier coming off a big win in Jacksonville? Yeah, it, it's it's a tricky opponent because it, it's a team, as certainly as you know, that was not expected to be here at this point of the year. I think when NBC had put this game on Sunday night, the Chargers were the team that was coming off the playoff trip. The Vikings were the team last year that everybody thought was going to be a contender and wasn't. So this was a game, I think, that that had kind of been circled at the beginning of the year as one of the tougher ones of the year. I don't think the Vikings have necessarily changed that opinion of things. Mike Zimmer has talked this week, obviously has faced Phillip Rivers quite a bit over the years from his time, uh, both in, I guess he faced him once in Minnesota, but he faced him quite a bit when he was in the, the AFC as the Bengals defensive coordinator and, and was certainly very complimentary of Rivers and the, and the work he's done over the years. And It's a team that they know has a lot of weapons, on offense and, and a lot of playmakers on defense. So it's it's a game that I think as the Vikings look at it when they're trying to stay in the NFC North title race and trying to stay ahead of the Rams in a wild card race, they can't really afford to slip up at this point. And I think they know that this is not one that you can just pencil in simply because the Chargers record is what it is. And you know, the Vikings, you look at the Chargers offense, Ben, who do you think is priority A in terms of who you need to stop uh, a lot of weapons, it seems like Austin Eckler has really kind of separated himself as just a, a different player, uh, you know, a guy who had 100 yards yeah. receiving and rushing last week. But then you also have guys like Hunter Henry and Keenan Allen and, and Mike Williams and Melvin Gordon. Uh, who do you think the Vikings need to home in on? Well, I mean, you, you go down a list there that, that's quite long and it has a lot of different ways to go. I mean, it, the, the problem the Vikings have had a lot this year, and it's been unique, from Mike Zimmer teams has been giving up big plays in the passing game. That has not been something we've seen them struggle with a lot in the past, but in recent weeks especially, that's been a big concern for them. So Mike Williams, you look at a guy like that that has been the type of downfield threat he's been in his career and, and certainly has come around a little bit in the last few weeks here, is making more big plays outfield. I, I think taking him away is going to be a big part of it. And, and a guy like Austin Eckler and, and a guy like Melvin Gordon certainly is going to be something they have to worry about too because at the times that they have lost this year have been the games where they've struggled to stop the run. Certainly that was a big issue two weeks ago in Seattle. They gave up, I think, 218 yards on the ground. So they, they know that they're going to have to be better than that this time around, too, if they, if they want a chance to win because the Chargers can hurt you in a lot of different ways. Yeah, Ben, you mentioned Mike Williams. He's tops in the league, 21 yards per reception. But Stefan Diggs right behind him, 17.8. We're going to have two of the top deep threats in football on the same field. When you flip it to Minnesota and their offense, they've been so balanced this year. Cousins has really taken care of the football, 24 touchdowns and just four picks. Dalvin Cook, a monster in the run game. Uh, what has made this offense so successful? I guess balance is probably the obvious answer. Balance is a lot of it, but they've 
found, I think, what they are going to be in their identity in, in terms of what they want to do on offense. And that's not a small thing for the Vikings. That has been an issue for a long time. It's been an issue for Mike Zimmer coach teams. It's really been an issue here. You, know, you can go back farther than Mike Zimmer simply because this has not been a team that's had the consistency at quarterback that they're getting from Kirk Cousins. But they have they've figured out whether it's been Kevin Stefanski calling plays or the influence of Gary Kubiak who they brought in this year. They they know that they're going to run that that same vein of the West Coast offense that's been so successful for years in Denver, and you see it with Kyle Shanahan now in San Francisco, and and certainly Matt Lafleur in Green Bay to some extent. Sean McVay, there's even elements of that to it. So they know it starts with a run for them, and and they have made no bones about that how much they want to run the ball. That's something that Mike Zimmer believes in very strongly, and it has set up a lot of the play action stuff. You mentioned Stephon Diggs, and, and that's been the the way they've got him going. He's not been the big deep threat guy through much of his career. He's he's been a guy that has typically made a lot of his living on shorter passes, and then been, sometimes being able to run after the catch. But when they have been able to run play action and they do it just about as much as anybody in the NFL they've had a lot of big plays off of that and, and certainly they're going to look for more of those on Sunday yeah the collection of wide receivers when you add Adam Thielen potentially to the mix Ben how much does Adam Thielen mean to this Vikings offense and what have they been lacking when he's not on the field well he's been a, he's been a, a steady part of it for an awfully long time and, and really had been more of the deep threat guy than Diggs historically and, and we've seen Diggs kind of take on that role a little bit before Thielen got hurt, but certainly since he got hurt. So if you add him back, it's another guy that can do a lot of the things that Diggs can do. They're both good route runners. Thielen's probably the guy that if you need a tough catch over the middle, he's he's more of the guy you look to in that situation. He's a little bit bigger. He's been a guy that can go up and get it and, and take a hit and, and kind of show that he can keep moving on from that. So Getting that back in their offense, I think, helps an awful lot on third downs. They've had some struggles on third downs in recent weeks, and I think sometimes not having that guy that Kirk Cousins knows, this is the place I want to go if I get in trouble on third down, has hurt a little bit. So you add him back to the offense, I, I think that's going to be a big part of it. They, I mean, they really have run a lot of two and three tight end sets, a lot of big personnel groups in recent weeks, and, and that's part of what they do anyway. They've leaned on more of that, though, since – Thielen has been hurt. So some of what they're going to have to try to do is mix him back into the, the offense. They've been playing well without him and, and figured out a way to make it work. So some of it now is you have him back. How are you going to incorporate him to the overall mix of what you're trying to do? Ben, how would you assess the play of Kirk Cousins this year in comparison to what he did last year in Minnesota and even in Washington? I, I see more consistency. We talked about that 24-4 to number, but just, you know, I feel like he's firmly entrenched himself as a leader and kind of an undisputed franchise quarterback this year. I think the word I would use on a lot of levels is trust. I think he trusts himself in this offense. I think they trust him. I think receivers trust him more than they did last year. I mean, they had a lot of things, really, that were not conducive to him coming in and taking off in his first year. It was a new offensive coordinator after Pat Shermer had taken the Giants job. John DiFilippo came in, and that just didn't – it never really meshed well with what Mike Zimmer wanted out of his offense. And in a lot of ways, I think Kirk Cousins trying to learn a new scheme in year one, in addition to learning new teammates, learning a new city, all of that kind of stuff, made it difficult that way. So now you have a scheme that is very similar to what he'd run in Washington. It's his second year with a lot of these pieces on offense, and, and I think he trusts the, the 
people he's working with, the people he's working with trust him. So that has allowed him to play faster. It's allowed him to make some more throws where he will give his guy a chance to go get it. That that was one of the things that you saw last year where he wouldn't pull the trigger a lot of times, even if there was a throw to be made with a receiver along the lines of the weapons that he had. This year it's been more you see him fire it and, and give the guy a chance to make a play. I mean, that, that long catch Stephon Diggs had last week, Cousins basically threw it on faith that Diggs was going to beat his man, Darius Slay, and, and of course he did. You see more of that happen this year where he's saying, I'm going to give my guy a chance. He's been better in the red zone because of that. It, it just kind of permeates through the whole offense, the fact that he's trusting all of it more than he has in the past. You bring up a great point about scheme and what he did in Washington with Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. It's amazing what simplicity and in, in scheme can do in terms of just making a quarterback comfortable. And that certainly shows this year. And I, I think having Kubiak there, Stefanski, uh, kind of changing things up, catering to Kirk's strengths is, is clearly on display. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, a lot of what they tried to do this offseason, and Kirk kind of, I think, quibbled with the idea a little bit that it needed to happen for him. I remember talking about that in the offseason. He said, obviously, I'm going to be a beneficiary of this, but I don't feel like they thought they needed to just kind of reinvent everything for me. But that said, he's the guy. I mean, he's the guy that you have to have comfortable if you're going to go anywhere. That's just the way it works at the position. And certainly he's not the only one that that is the case for. And I think the fact that they went out and got guys that have run a scheme that he's comfortable with, that, that are very confident in their own abilities to do things, talking about guys like Gary Kubiak, and some of the, the assistants he has with him, Rick Dennison, Brian Pariani, guys that have been with him for an awfully long time, brought a level of stability into this offense that Cousins has been able to lean on. I, I think he's a guy that values stability. He values consistency an awful lot, both in the way he goes about the job and, and what he has around him. He's not the guy that is running around making plays, you know, kind of freelancing like you might see from a Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson. He's better when everything around him is in place and, and he kind of knows where to go with the ball and, and can play fast because he trusts all of it. And I think the fact that they've been able to put all that in place this year has made him play faster. It's just made everything work a lot smoother. And we talked about the collection of wide receivers Sunday. How about the pass rushers? Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram on the Chargers side. But I think when you talk about some of the great pass rushers and really overall defenders in this league – Danell Hunter, his name doesn't get mentioned as much as it probably should. Three sacks last week. He has 12 and a half on the year. I believe he's the reigning NFC Defensive Player of the Week. What makes him so special? And if you can, just speak to the year that he's having. Well, he's the, I mean, in that game on Sunday when he had three sacks, he became the youngest player in NFL history to 50 sacks. He turned 25 in at the end of October. And I mean, if you were going to design a defensive end in a 4-3 scheme, it's hard to imagine a guy that is a better fit than Daniel Hunter, both because, I mean, physically he's he's like 6'5", and he's 260 pounds. I, I would guess his body fat is something under 3%. And uh, he's a guy that I remember doing a story on Adrian Peterson down in Houston a few years ago. Uh, actually, Melvin Gordon was working out there at the time as well. And Daniel Hunter's working out on the track with, a lot of these guys in outrunning defensive uh, defensive backs in 400-meter sprints. I mean, he, he can move. He's quick. Uh, he's got a lot of strength. And he's a guy that, that gets the, the position. He, he's learned how to be a good run defender. He's learned how to diagnose things at the line. He's, 
he's not a guy that draws a ton of attention to himself, so I think that's why people don't talk about him. But the Vikings also love it because he doesn't seem to get enough in terms of wanting to learn and improve at what he does. And their defensive end coach or defensive line coach, Andre Patterson, has been doing it an awfully long time and is one of the best in the NFL. So uh, a guy like that in Andre Patterson's hands has improved an awful lot. And, and that was a pick when the Vikings made it. He was a third-round pick and had, I think had a sack and a half his last year at LSU. And people kind of thought, well, okay, this is a little bit of a reach. But they saw, I think, if they could get him to rush the quarterback the way they wanted him to do it, that he could improve awfully quickly. And, and you, you put all that to bear with the physical ability he has. It, it certainly has turned into something special. No doubt. Daniel Hunter is certainly a player the Chargers are going to have to have eyes on. Man, we'll get you out of here on this. What do you think is going to decide this one? Even though the Chargers are out of the playoffs, this is going to be a fun matchup between two very competitive teams. Well, I think a lot of it is going to come down to what happens when the Chargers have the ball. I think we've seen it certainly this year with Phillip Rivers you know, committing some turnovers, throwing interceptions at times, but we've also seen and make a lot of big plays in recent weeks. And, and he's always that guy that will give his receivers a chance to make a play. That can also mean sometimes that defensive backs have a chance to make a play, especially if it's a close game, which the Chargers have played a lot of this year. So the Vikings have been a team that gives up quite a few big plays, especially on the road, but they've also been a team that I think has had a turnover defensively, a takeaway in just about every game this season. So it's one of those that I think very much could swing on can the Chargers win the turnover battle? What happens when they have the ball? And uh, it should be a fun one. I, I think it's, it's a game that even though the Chargers are out of the playoff race at 5-8, and eight, there's a lot of talent there, and it, it should be a, an interesting matchup. Certainly the, a lot riding on it for the Vikings, and I'm sure the Chargers want to play that role of spoiler if they can a little bit here too. Ben Gessling, Star Tribune, Vikings beat writer. Ben, you do awesome work, man. I look forward to seeing you at Dignity Health Sports Park. We'll see you on the West Coast. Thanks for having me on, Chris. I appreciate it. All right, guys, we know you love the Chargers, but you also probably love saving money, too. And Mercury Insurance can help you with that because Chargers fans save an average of $769 with Mercury. That'll get you great seats for the next game and jerseys for the whole family, too. So what are you waiting for? Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com to see how much you could save. It only takes a few minutes to switch, and it could save you a lot of money. Don't wait. Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com. Savings info based on 2019 California Department of Insurance Rate Comparison Profile 38A. Individual savings may vary. All right, guys. A week 15 Beat Riders Roundtable. And I got my guys. Daniel Popper, the athletic. First. First. There you go. <laughs> Gilbert Manzano, incognito today with hat yeah. and glasses. Did not recognize Gil. Did not know if he was here today. And I had to do a double take. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well, but yeah, I'm number two today behind Popper, so I gotta be a little hidden today. Yeah. You wanna tell us why you're wearing that outfit? Uh, <laughs> a lot of things. Well, I'm getting a haircut today. As uh, that's Popper it, yeah. already got one, yes. so I don't like my hair today. I gotta put on my hat. I, I know Jeff's looking at me all weird, like these kids. Why do they care about their hair so much? <laughs> for the yeah. record, for the record, Jeff asked before how we uh, approach Google reviews. So I was. <laughs> I was describing to him the reviews. Well, let me let me let everyone know that Jeff Miller's here. Try <laughs> He's the here. He's LA right. Times, Jeff Miller. I am here, and I. Uh, it's uh, it, it's always interesting in these uh, as we sit actually around a round table today that 
I, every week that goes by, I age about a year. So I'm, I'm <laughs> so much older right now than I was when this thing first started. What's your one. What's your take on TikTok? <laughs> Does Jeff have a TikTok? He account? knows what that is, though. Do you Do you know what TikTok is? How much time? Do it's you spend the sound on? a clock makes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. That's a good thing. Perfect. Well done. We should do a TikTok with all four of us. I, I will. Riders Roundtable. I, honestly, I'm a little scared of TikTok because I've I've my sister has it. She's older, but she has it. And around Thanksgiving when I was home, we started looking through TikTok, and there is some interesting stuff. There is there. interesting stuff. Yeah. We'll table the TikTok talk. Let's, let's get to Hold the off. Chargers. <laughs> 45-10 in Jacksonville, guys. Most complete performance, all three phases. I guess you have to start with Austin Eckler, right? Yeah. 100-100 club. Historic, historic performance. And I went through and actually went back and, and looked at all the Hall of Famers that never did that, had 100-100. I mean, Marshall Falk never did it. Emmett Smith never did it. OJ Simpson never did it. Frank Gore, Adrian Peterson haven't done it. Touches. Yeah. Fewest ever. Fewest ever by a player to get 100 100 in a game. I mean, it was a historic performance. Unbelievable. Um, and I think it shows that he's, he's putting together a season that's going to demand a legitimate contract offer uh, when he's eligible for it after the season. No, he is. And uh, it's interesting to see uh, after the game the other day, um, you know, Melvin Gordon was standing there and. What a weird position he's now in. It just keeps getting weirder every week where now he's watching this guy emerge, this undrafted rookie emerge in a spot where where everybody thought this is he's the future, you know, Melvin's the future running back of this franchise and all that. And we know his holdout was ill-fated from the beginning. It didn't work out, didn't really accomplish anything. And now he's watching Austin Eckler emerge in this role that he, he should – People thought he was going to be in, so he. It's it's even as great as it is for Austin. It's, it's it just makes Melvin's situation all the all the weirder and more strange moving the, forward. The thing about it, though, and Gil, we'll get your thoughts on it too. The thing about Austin, he's just different from any other running back. So, entering Week 15, there's only eight wide receivers in the league who have more catches than him. There's only five players in the NFL who have more total touchdowns than him. So he is this hybrid. Pass catching back, and I think with Melvin, you do need a guy like that to to burn clock. And I think the one-two punch that we didn't necessarily see when Melvin first came back, we're starting to see them kind of get a rhythm. Gil, yeah, and the thing that you know, I kind of caught my attention. Jeff and I kept saying, "Do you know how big this is? What you just did, the historic, you know, kind of, you know, what you did. Not many Hall of Famers have done it." And Austin kept saying, "You know what?" Uh, I'm a complete football player. I, I'm a guy who could do it all. This is what I've been trying to tell you guys for a whole year. That I could, you know, line up in a slot. I could, you know, be a blocker. I could be a running back. I could run between tackles. So I think for Austin, it was more like, hey, I, I know we got a three down back in Melvin Gordon, but I could do the same things too. And I don't think it's like a rivalry or, any, a rivalry or anything like that. It was just more Austin saying, hey, I'm just as good as all these guys in the NFL. And I can make it work with Mel- Melvin Gordon, but I could do my thing too. The running back's room here with the charge is pretty close. And, even a guy like Justin Jackson, man. I mean, what he did at the beginning of the year, it's just a numbers game now with him in terms of seeing the field. But, I mean, that running back's room, Derek White gets his first career touchdown. Yeah. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of positivity from that room. Yeah, and the question is, what's the best way to move forward if, if you're general manager Tom Telesco? What what combination of guys is going to make the most sense for your cap sheet and for your on-field production? And and right now, you bring back Austin Eckler and you still have Justin Jackson on his on his rookie deal. 
that's going to be a relatively cheap option and a very productive option at that. You said, mentioned what Justin was doing earlier this season, leading the league in, in yards per carry. And, and what Austin is doing, he's, he's one of the best offensive players in football, period. Mm-hmm. He's averaging 7.1 yards per touch. And that is second in the league among guys with at least 100 touches. The only guy who's been more efficient than him is Michael Thomas. That's it. And that guy's in the MVP conversation as a wide receiver. That's how good Austin's been this season. He's not just, and I, and I wrote this in my story on Sunday, he's not a complimentary piece anymore. He's not the guy just filling in for Melvin Gordon. He is running back, number one, elite playmaker in the NFL. And you, can't, you cannot say, any, say it any other way. That's just what he is at this point. And Jeff, thanks to Austin Eckler, Phillip Rivers had the longest touchdown <laughs> pass of his career and let Yannick Ndakwe know about it. 90-yard <laughs> uh, <laughs> touchdown! That uh, that was crazy that he had not had a longer reception. I know, we, were all, we were all completion. in the press box scratching touchdown our heads like, it's, pass ever. It's, ever? It's ever. the longest, supposedly now it's the longest pass he'd ever completed because there was an 81-yarder before that. But that even that doesn't... I, that was a touchdown, though. Well, I think we're talking touchdowns. Uh, let me let me dig into the numbers after we're done here. It, it's been it, confirmed it, by well, Chargers this pa- longest okay. pass ever. Wow. Yeah, because if if it's more than eighty four yards, it's likely a touchdown. Right. You you'd be throwing a pass from the one yard line and get That's stopped. That's a really at the good five. point. That's yeah. a really good point. But yeah. it, it's uh, that was remarkable. That and then it was remarkable that Philip had the highest rating he's had in his career out of whatever two hundred and thirty whatever cut in the playoffs games he's started in a row. Now was his best his most his highest rating he's ever had. Now rate that whole rating thing is a little bit of a mystery to a lot of you know yeah. how they come to it. But still the fact that it was the, his most his best ever and you think about it, Hunter had a had a drop. Hunter Henry had a drop. The uh, uh, Guyton had a drop. You know, there he had six incompletions right. and two of them were clear drops. I mean you know, Hunter Henry after the game was joking about how bad of a drop he had. So it could have even been better. But that that was it it was weird, I guess in part because the game wasn't close and they're you're in this weird you know, team that's kind of in, in Jacksonville that's just sort of going through the motions here at the end. Sure. It, it didn't feel like we were watching all kinds of history, but we actually were. The one interesting thing about that though is like you had they were both in the same spot coming into this game. They were both four and eight. One team goes out and puts on the showing that you, that you saw with the Chargers, and one team completely folds. Yeah. What does that say about Anthony Lynn as a head coach and his ability to motivate players? Yeah, that to me is a clear indication because both these teams were playing for the same thing. I think it says a lot, especially when you look at the losses that the Chargers have had. They've all been so close; they have not been blown out in any game. So to see guys who know that the playoffs are not a possibility to go three thousand miles away from home. And to put together a performance like that, I think Coach Lynn was talking about Phillips' performance and how decisive he was with the football. And that certainly showed, I mean, to have all these guys eat, man. Like Mike Williams, all he does is catch 40-yard passes. Keenan Allen had a great game. Hunter Henry had that 30-yard touchdown that apparently Thomas Davis designed. (laughs) (laughs) So everybody, everybody had... A pretty exceptional game. Yeah, I, th- I think they were most happy for Mike Williams to get that first touchdown finally. Like you, you, I know you keep bringing up all these stats of the 40-yard receptions, but he, he wants to get in the end zone. Of course. And he finally got it. And I, I asked Phil at the press conference. He, he was just so excited for him. And then you got Keenan Allen telling him to go, du- go dunk the ball at the goalpost. He got, he got so in trouble fine. with that. But you could <laughs> tell everybody really wanted Mike to get in there. And I started talking to Mike today, and, and I realized that they can have three guys with 1,000 yards receiving this year with Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, and Mike Williams. I don't know if that's ever happened with the Chargers, or I don't know when's the last time a team has done that. But it's I got to have two. two Having yeah. two thousand yard guys is like a big deal for a team. So to, to potentially have three is 
Mind so ball. we got to figure that stat out. But yeah, to to be that close. But yeah, it seems like now these guys are kind of getting in a groove. They're getting their numbers, and it's kind of like where was this the whole season, you know? Yeah. And but the, for them to put it together in one one week, and I, I'm sure that felt really good for them. And the one thing with with Mike, I mean, we've sat here and we talked over and over again earlier this season about look, look, he needs to find some consistency. He needs to be the consistent player that we all know he can be. And here he is over the second half of this year, really since about week six, week seven, he's consistent. And the consistency is catching 40-yard passes. But it, who cares how the production comes? Because that's a big play in the game. If you're making a 40-yard reception every single game, then, hey, you have value in the NFL. And I just, I just commend Mike for on a bulky knee – going out and being a consistent football player and making plays every week. And I remember when that ball went up on Sunday, I was like, this is the one that falls incomplete. There's no way he can get to that <laughs> ball because he's on the 30-yard line. And, like, and then all of a sudden, I'm just, see, I'm just seeing him run, and, I'm, and then he catches it. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen live because I just when the ball was in the air, I was like, there's just no chance. Yeah. I had written it off. I was like, nope, incompletion. To have a player like that on your team – that can also just bail you out in situations. Uh, even, even though it, it didn't work out for the Chargers in that Kansas City Endeavor game, he had huge plays to put them in a position to win. Yeah, he was the old. He's he's kind of that ultimate bailout. And that you mentioned that in the, in those two games that they they actually lost. I mean, he he did bail them out, and they just weren't able to finish, which has been the theme. All you know, we've talked about this all year, and not you know the turnovers and not being able to finish drives. But it this week will be interesting because. The Vikings have all kinds of stuff to play for, and they're, we know they're much more talented than than Jacksonville. So, I you know I think it'll be I, I suspect it'll be a good game. It'll probably be another close game, but it's not you know to Daniel's point, it's it, it, I don't think it was surprising at all the way the Chargers played. I I I think you know Anthony, I think guys want to play hard for him. He's just one of those guys, and. You know, Jacksonville's a, you know they. I think they all know their coach is gone, so they are kind of just you know what what you know what are we? You're playing for your your own pride at that point, and and for some guys, and that that team's not loaded with talent as we know. Um, but this will be you know this will be a different animal. You know, the Vikings are a much better team, and they have they're they're rolling, and they've got you know they're looking at the postseason. So, yeah. I you know it'll be a different challenge for the Chargers, but I expect them to show up, and I think it'll probably be like a lot of these games. It'll be a one score game. Yeah, it's a great segue into the Vikings nine and four, a pretty balanced offense. All of us just came from the locker room, um, so we got a little bit of insight into what the guys are thinking. Um, Kirk Cousins, twenty four touchdowns, just four interceptions. You got Diggs, I think Thielen is a question mark. Uh, and then Dalvin Cook, as good of a runner as there is in football. So the Chargers, they're not playing at Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday. And it'll be interesting to see how they respond to the success that they had Sunday and how they can maybe carry it over uh, and maybe spoil uh, what the Vikings have going. I think you said it right there. I think they want to be spoilers. Not, you know, They're not going to go to the playoffs, but you could, you could ruin somebody's playoff. And, and I think... It, if you're a, you know the crosstown team, the Rams, they're rooting for the Chargers because the Vikings are fighting with the Rams for that wild card yeah. spot. So it's kind of awkward for the Chargers and the Rams to be on the, on the same side. But I think for Chargers, who I keep saying they're, they're fighting for Anthony Lynn, but now they could fight for more. They could be spoilers. And at, in a game like that, I, I, I think, I, I, and Papa brought it up, how close they are with the point differential. I think they're, they're, they're kind of similar. They just, for them, it hasn't gone the, the right way for the Chargers, but. They're both talented on both sides of the ball, so I think it should be a good game on Sunday. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how they match up because, I mean, you're waiting for that 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 seminal Derwin James moment where he just makes the kind of plays that they've been missing. Now, he's, he's come close. Seminal. No pun intended. That was good. Oh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> no, that was actually no pun intended. That was uh, tremendous. That was yeah. tremendous. Tremendous wordplay. Wow. 
Thanks, guys. Even though I didn't mean it. But so he, he's come close. You know, he's had a, a tackle for loss in the Broncos game. He had that batted ball last week in, in Jacksonville. But you're waiting for, like, that Derwin James play. Um, and the one thing, just talking to the defensive guys in there, just, like, the difference of having Adrian Phillips and Derwin James on the yeah. field is so big. And we so got to talk about that. And I'm Yes, but I'm fascinated to see, like, okay, when this – they're kind of feeling like themselves again – they both got two games under their belt. This is going to be the third game going up against a really good offense. And this could be the game where we see like that Chargers defense that we haven't seen all season just because guys have been injured. Are you surprised by how good those guys have looked in the two games that they've been back? Because for, for AP to get hurt in Week 2, Derwin to not see the field. Training camp was when, when Derwin got hurt, of course. Those guys... Both games, Derwin, I think, only missed one snap in the, the game against Denver. What was his snap count against Jacksonville? Yeah, same. It was same. about to say he only missed one snap. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like it's 60, 62, 63, I think. It was pretty impressive. Like yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Adrian, for me, has been more – I sort of expected Derwin to come out and play like this. He's just like a, such a physical specimen, and he's a young guy. Like, he sort of expected him to be able to bounce back from an injury. Adrian came out in, like, the third play of that Broncos game just delivered a crushing hit. And this is a guy who has, like, it's a broken arm. Like, that thing can break again. It's like, you know, you need time for it to heal properly. But I was talking to him today about it. He's just like, yeah, that's, that's just how I play. It's going to break again. It's going to break again. But the one thing I'm not going to do is go out there and, and not give 100% and, and, or play scared. Um, he's, been, he's been impressive. And he played 36 snaps last week. So he's getting on the field. They're using a lot of dime package, which is what's really exciting about this defense is when they can get those six DBs on the field and, and, and play quickly and fast, but also have that physicality because Adrian and Derwin are just such big hitters. It's, I'm fascinated. I think it's going to be a great matchup, and it's going to be interesting to see if the Chargers defense can, can take that next step now that everyone's healthy, even though it won't matter for the playoffs, just to see it moving into the next year. Yeah, you want to see what it looks like 2020. Eric Williams, Haley Elwood, and myself were talking after the game Sunday about just the, the youth on the defense. To see Drew Tranquil and Derwin James on the field at the same time this last month, you get a snapshot of what this team can look like next year. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think one thing the Chargers get – all, all NFL teams get trashed all the time because their guys get hurt constantly. And we earlier this year, that was the theme. Everybody's – you know, what's wrong with the Chargers training staff? And I, my limited experience covering professional sports, is covering the NFL especially, is all these teams do the same thing. There's no secrets. I mean, for the most part, everybody – so I don't think they're doing anything incorrectly. The one thing – that I think you need to point out, though, here with both Derwin and Adrian is they did not rush those guys. They made sure that they were okay. And I will promise you that both those players will tell you they could have come back. They could have played sooner than they ended up playing. But I think that in part of it, maybe if these games had really been significant, maybe they would have brought back like Adrian the week before. But obviously, unfortunately for the Chargers, the season's gone the way it's gone. But I, I think they were really careful especially with Derwin, young guy. You don't want him, you know, it's a foot thing. You don't want that lingering. And I thought they, they should be commended the fact that they really slow played that. They gave those guys as much time as they, they needed. So I think they're both, you know, I, I think they're, in, you know, Adrian and I talked to him last week after that game, his first game. He said he's perfectly fine. Never, he didn't feel anything. He didn't, you know, he's not, he didn't have the slightest bit of hesitation of doing anything. He feels totally normal. And I'm sure Derwin feels the same way. I think they're, totally healthy, and I think it should be noted that that the Chargers did that, that they actually waited and they, they let these guys get get well to the point where they were 100%. And this yeah. stuff pays off, Like, and it happens around sports where if you take your time and let a young guy come back from injury the right way, it pays off. I mean, to use a baseball analogy, Steven Strasburg, Tommy John, yeah. they were in the playoff hunt and they shut him down. Oh, Nats and, were 
Nets fans were ripping. Oh my god! I, and I was covering the team yeah. at that, that season, and and I mean, it was you know Mike Rizzo, the GM, should be fired. How could anyone do this? It's a mockery of the game. Blah 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 blah. Lo and behold, whatever, whatever, four, five, six years later, Strasburg's leading them to a World Series. So it's it's important. It's important, and I think that's a great point from Jeff. With all the storylines that we talked about Sunday, from Austin to Phillip to you know the, the play of the defense. Joey Bosa, ho hum, another two sacks, right? And that, that that gets lost because I think we almost expect it each and every week, right? Yeah, Go. that was kind of surprising because I, I was checking when's the last time Joey Bosa got a sack, and it hasn't been since no, uh, November third, week nine against the Packers. So for him to go that long without a sack. That's, that's kind of hard to believe, but to get two, he kind of made up for that. I think uh, he's at 10.5 now. Uh, three out of his four seasons, are, he's gotten to double-digit sacks. So for him, it's the usual, typical Joey Bosa game. But I think we've kind of realized this year that he's more than just a sack guy. He, he stopped the run. He's all over the field. He's doing a lot of things, but I think for Joey Bosa, I know he's kind of fell out of the race for a defensive player of the year, maybe because they're not winning that so much, but he's still doing the same things he's been doing all year. Yeah, it's just it's the stats that don't show up in the stat sheet. It's, it, yeah, and when you talk to coaches, the one thing they always say is the biggest difference with Joey this season is how unselfish he is. He's willing to clog running lanes and, and fit the run and do things that maybe might not show up on the stat sheet, like you said, but are crucial to winning games. And that's what they're saying. Now, the crazy thing about the season he's having is he's taking this unselfish approach and, and defending the run the way that he should, but he's also putting up the sack numbers, which just tells you how great of a season he's having. Um, I'm fascinated to see how it plays out this offseason because if he's getting the right advice, he's going to hold out for a huge contract because defensive ends are uh, extremely valuable on the market right now. Um, Demarcus Lawrence signed that $100 million plus dollar contract. Frank Clark's getting paid over $100 million. So you expect Joey Bosa to be in that same conversation. Um, so we'll see how it plays out, but the, I think they have to try and keep him. They have to do everything they can because he's a complete game changer. Well, just for Sunday, you know, we, we just talked about Kirk's numbers, 24 touchdowns, four interceptions. That's Justin Jones. How do you get him off schedule? He just goes, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. That's yeah. how you get him off schedule. <laughs> that, yeah, that's a <laughs> uh, pretty good recipe. That, that is. And yeah, it's uh, it's funny. You know, we look at this team, the Chargers, and there's – I don't know. You know, we're talking about all these great things that they're doing, and I don't know how many Pro Bowlers these guys are going to have. Um, I mean, there's a few, right? There's a few guys that are are could legitimately be Pro Bowlers, and uh, and they're going to be. And you look at their record and think, how is this possible? So it shows you. I mean, there's a, there's talent on this team, yeah. and it's just it's it sounds kind of like coach speak, but it's not. Is that these guys, you know, they're 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 really this close to being. By the way, did you guys have a so chance much, to to watch you know, that HBO documentary? Uh, Sabin and Belichick. The art I, of Belichick. I haven't seen it yet. I watched it last night. It was it was fantastic. But one of the things that they were talking about was how each season, you know, whether you're Nick Saban at Alabama and you have to have a new team and playing against new players that freshmen, sophomore, juniors that transfer. I mean, every team's different each and every year. And the same goes for the NFL. You may have the same players, but each season is different. So it's a new challenge. It's rebuilding that chemistry. And I think one of the things I heard from this building in between the 12 and 4 season and this season was that that doesn't carry over to this year. And we said that a lot, but it's true. It just doesn't carry over. It's a new challenge. And you're seeing a lot of the same players in the same position. Um, The games have been so close, they won the games in 2018. They just haven't done it in 2019. I'm a fundamental believer in the fact that cliches exist for a reason. And there's a reason coaches always talk about situational football. 
you have to make the plays in the big time moments late in games. And these guys have just they've made so many mistakes at the end of games. Yeah. Whether it's in Detroit, Philip Phil throwing that interception in the end zone. Whether it's Melvin Gordon fumbling at the goal line. You can go on and on about just situations where they just haven't made plays. Casey Hayward drawing the pass interference. We can argue about whether it was PI or not. It got called. He put himself in a bad position on that play. Um, you can go down the list, and I mean they have a better point differential than the ten and three Seahawks, the eight and five Steelers. Like there are teams that are that are have not won by as many points as them, and put up the same points when you, when you subtract points for and points against. That have much much better records, and it comes down to not making the plays when it matters the most. Just think about this when we talk about the NFL and just how weird it is. Twelve and four last year. This team was so close to being a number one overall seat in the AFC. Five and eight. If you put them in the NFC East right now, they are one game back <laughs> from hosting a playoff game. That's just that's just the way that the, one of the, the worst ball drops. I've ever seen. It's 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 unbelievable. But you have teams like that. I remember when the Seahawks were like seven and nine and, mm-hmm. and beat the Saints. Um, that was in, the Marshawn the, Lynch the, run. The Marshawn Lynch, the Beastquake run. <laughs> exactly. So you know, it's funny to look back and see. Okay, twelve and four. This could have been the number one overall seed in the playoffs this year. Not even close to that. Not going to make the playoffs. But you put them in another division. It's a different story. I think. I think the team was such in a good role last year, winning those close games. They kind of maybe expected to win those close games this year. And I was talking to Virgil Green uh, last week, and he, he gave me an honest answer. He said a lot of these guys came in, you know, riding the same high horse from a year ago, kind of expecting to do the same thing and did. You know, when they were twelve and four, you, you can't just go get, you know, stay on that same horse. You got to get down and go and get back up again. He was telling me. And another cliche, the high horse thing for Virgil Green, but it's true. You, you, you know, you, it's a new year again. More cliches, a new season. You gotta, you know, keep working hard. And I, I think guys, cliches are, matter. Yeah, so they matter. They know, the I know we hate, as we, we hate that as reporters. I'm gonna get them more as quotes now. So yeah. I, I, I kind of hate that I'm saying that, but sometimes it's true. They're like, well, Gil likes cliches. <laughs> no, so. I'm gonna give them all. <laughs> I mean, sometimes your editor is not gonna like cliches, Gil. You play sometimes to win the game true. and all that. Sometimes there's true. There's a reason that it gets talked about all the time. <laughs> Yeah, and I think Virgil Green. I think you know, being honest, and I think maybe the game before that against Denver, where this time the offensive—I mean, the offense—they did they delivered. They went down the field. They got that field goal with Michael Badgley. I know they got the Casey Hayward thing, but for the offense's mindset to to deliver in, in, in that situation and, and kind of close the game, I know you get the rough thing with the PI there, but the, I think maybe that kind of carried over to, to the next week, and you have a complete game. You're in a row, and you you jump out to whatever it was, thirty-eight ten. You fin- you finish forty-five ten. So I think. Just kind of maybe the baby steps helped out for that Jacksonville game, but it was a little too late. But I think now maybe they could get some momentum for, momentum for uh, 2020. Yep. Well, Sunday, players to watch. We do it every roundtable. Daniel Popper, you go first. Oh, boy. Um, who am I watching? Who am I watching? Let's say Denzel Perryman. He's getting the start at middle linebacker, coming off a, a game where he was left behind because of a coach's decision. Um I'm gonna be. I'm interested to see how he comes back and how he plays because, honestly, he has a situation moving this offseason where he could potentially not be here based on how they set up his contract. He's a pretty big cap hit next year. They could cut him and save about 80 percent of that contract. And they got Drew Tranquil, who's playing really well at Mike linebacker and then seven the, tackles on that first drive. Yeah, insane. And he's playing really well. And also, he can fit a bunch of different roles in this defense because of his background as a safety and his ability to cover. Um, so they have somebody behind Denzel right now who can be the long term solution at Mike. Denzel's got to show something over these last three games to prove that he still has value because he's such a, had such an injury-plagued season and then this what, what happened last week. Um, so I'll be watching him. Yeah, that's my guy. Especially with a guy like Dalvin Cook in the back. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Big running game. And, uh, you know, you, got, you need your middle linebacker making plays. And he's obviously, that's his strength, is playing the run and, and, and being the decisive hitter against the run, setting the tone for that defense. So I'll be watching Denzel. 
Go. I'm going to take the easy one. I want to see more of Austin Eckler. And I, I keep looking at his stats. I'm like, he's so close to 1,000 yards receiving, 100-yard ca- uh, catches in a season. Uh, he has 11 touchdowns. How many can he get with three games to go? So I, I want to just see him pile up those numbers and kind of have one of those memorable Chargers seasons. So uh, he has three games to go, and let's, let's see what he does. Anthony Lynn was asked about him this week. He goes, I just want to see him do it again. Right. Yeah, again, 100-100, a double-triple. That was just fun to watch and be a part of. So let's see what he could do to top that. Only one guy in history has done the 100-100 twice, Brian Westbrook. Wow. In a season? No, in a career. Wow. Ever. He was a great player, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Only one guy has done that? Twice in a career. In a career. That's insane. Really? Receiving, rushing. doing Going 100 yards, receiving 100 yards, rushing in one game, doing that in two games. Brian Westbrook's the only guy to do it twice. Yeah. There you go. You don't believe me. I did no. I, I didn't. I did not know that. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, it's it's it doesn't happen. It's impressive to do it once, right? It, do, it uh, doesn't do it happen. Tw- I'm, yeah, I was the 35th times in league history. Touches. 35th time since 1950 that it happened. It does not happen. That I'm I'm legitimately blown away by the fact that there's only been one guy who's done it twice. I'm going to be like, wrong. Come on. I I'm I I'm mind blown by that. Wow. So at 12 touches what was it like? 19 yards a touch? Yeah, it was like 19.3 yards. 17.7. Yeah. There you go. So, Jeff. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to go with Derwin James. I think, I think Pop's onto something. I think this, I think we're going to, I think we're due one of those moments and he's going to do something crazy and it's going to be spectacular. And I think this is a good, this would be a good spot for it. And I, uh, I yeah, I, I think over the, some, at some point over these last three weeks, he's going to do something and we're all going to, be talking about it, you know, the next week or after the, you know, this podcast the next week. So I'm going to go with him. I think this is, this is, I'm going to pick him as this is the week that he's going to do something spectacular. That was mine too. And I, I think you bring up a great point. We're starting to see that slowly build, right? We, that, that pass deflection, that stop, I think was on fourth down in, in Jacksonville to have a quarterback come in like Kirk Cousins, who has been really good this year I can see Derwin affecting this game, whether it's an interception or a sack, a sack fumble, forcing a turnover. Um, so Derwin James, he's just he's so much fun to watch. And to have him back, I, I can't tell you how much I think that means to the defense and the energy overall that it has provided just the team in general. Yeah, Derwin and Adrian. I think both those guys, just getting them back, it's a complete game changer. And they, they, they certainly feel like a different unit with yeah. both those guys out there. Jeff, I want to do this with you guys moving forward. I feel negligent not doing it. What are you writing about this week, and uh, what should fans be oh, tuned wow. into? That's a just staring at me because he doesn't want to give away a story. I <laughs> no, think yeah. I'm stealing yeah. stories. No, I, you know, I think uh, we heard about uh, Brendan Faison today about how much how well he's been playing. So I probably have a little something on him. Um, nice and. Uh, you know, we'll kind of probably try to look at the Jerry Tillery thing a little more, but, uh, you know, just kind of trying to keep, I think the point is at this point as writers, what you're trying to do is look toward the future a little bit since these games don't matter to the chargers and maybe kind of write things that are either looking toward the future. In that case, you have two young players who you think will be around here for a while and maybe what, what their futures are. And you, you know, you're, you're trying to, Kind of advance the story a little bit, so yeah. I think I'm guessing these guys will probably have similar answers. Yep. Yeah, I'll be looking looking ahead mostly, doing some analysis on, uh, you know, what it's going to look like in in 2019, why certain people 2020 in the or- 2020 why certain people? Thank you for correcting me. Yeah, well, I just want people going like I tell you enjoyed cool. that. Yeah, we know what's going on in 2019, <laughs> Daniel. <laughs> um, yeah, for 2020, which people in the building are going to be back? Why they're going to be back? Looking at some young players that could be progressing, that sort of thing. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of doing a, like something similar to, to Jeff, like kind of rookie random, kind of just talking all the rookies and even guys like uh, Amike who didn't play much, you know, how, how do they feel this year? You know, because the rookie season could be you know, so, so different. You could, you could be a star like Derwin James or you could be a guy kind of takes you a while to, to blossom like Justin Jones a year ago who's now a, star, a starter defense defensive tackle. So um, do something like that. And then also a Philip Rivers story. He, he, he kind of earned this story. He was kind of you know being told to retire, go home, you're too old. And he kind of has this big game on his birthday. So it seems like every time we fill up Rivers, he always finds a way to kind of change that narrative and kind of say, hey, I still got plenty of football left. 90-yard <laughs> touchdown. <laughs> Don't do it in my face. Every, t- every time I think about it, I laugh. You just did that in Gil's face. <laughs> Don't do it in my face. 90-yard <laughs> touchdown. I'll see you after one, seven. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad I recognized Gil. It was good. We found him. He we got him back on the round him. table. I, I think you guys were joking with each other before the press conference. I don't know if you guys want to talk about that now or just let that go. I got a haircut. Jeff was going to make a bad joke about my haircut. Okay. Wouldn't tell me in the moment and then told me about two hours later and it wasn't any, a very good joke at all. Oh, wow. Jeez. <laughs> it wasn't a very good joke at, tell it. at I all. I want to hear it now. At all. Say the joke. Through the at all at the end. Listen, we'll let the we'll let the audience be the judge. So this the background of this is Daniel's been looking for a barber. He's been trying to find you know uh, you know it's this whole season whatever he he's been talking to Gil. The young guys are trying to figure (laughs) out. I mean, I go to supercuts, okay, just so everyone understands. (laughs) Don't say that. I've only gotten two haircuts since I've moved to Los Angeles in July. So this is the third haircut. He came in today with his third haircut since he moved here, and I looked at him, and the first thing I thought was. I was going to say I didn't, but I, t- I didn't say it in front he of everybody. It. He I thought it. thought it. My my <laughs> my comment was going to be, "Oh, I see you still haven't found a barber." <laughs> <laughs> That's that would have been a good one. And uh, good. it was, according to him, so, not funny because at all. My, what is the implication that it's a bad haircut? <laughs> or, yes. Like, yeah. is that yeah. the <laughs> you missed the I joke or what? I'm not sure. This is implying that I think it's pretty much stating that you have a bad haircut. <laughs> getting defensive now. Ugh. Well, Chargers fans, if you're at Dignity Health Sports Park Sunday, give a shout-out to Daniel Popper. Let him know what you think about his haircut. Yes. And Come find me. We'll go from there. Sounds good. All right, boys. Thanks. All right, guys. That's going to do it for us. A big thanks to all of our guests. And, of course, thanks to you all for listening. Remember, be sure to subscribe to the all-new Chargers Podcast Network. We are now on Spotify and SoundCloud. So wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find the Chargers Podcast Network. Enjoy the game Sunday. And until next time, I'm Chris Harey.